Good morning, everyone. Am I on? I am on. So, the welcome lunch um, is going to be a time as well for Beck and I just to share. If you're coming to Lyft and you're wanting to uh, really deepen uh, your, uh, um, I guess, connection and wanting to know what's next for you, uh, that's what the welcome lunch is for. It's completely free for those who have joined us over the last couple of months in particular. So make sure you sign up and we would love to have lunch with you. Well, last week we started on a series called Strong Hearts. And I hope that um, it set the tone um, for where we are going and what we are wanting to talk about. Because our hearts really are such an important uh, part of us. Out of our hearts, that is where the issues of life flow out. This is what uh, our decision-making, our perspectives, everything comes from our heart. And today we're going to talk about a topic that is probably not so fun, and uh, I hope that you really enjoyed your time in the presence of God, because I think God's preparing you to do a little bit, maybe, of surgery. But what kind of pain do you struggle with? Um, you know, I believe that most of us are actually really able to handle pain, um, and most of us actually choose uh, to handle certain kinds of pain. So let me give you some examples. Many of us will endure the pain of staying up a little too late to finish off that movie or that series that you started, right? You know, you're watching it and it's just so good. Or maybe that book, if you're still a bit more old school and you're reading it, and it's a, every chapter finishes on a cliffhanger, it's like, oh, just one more little chapter. I just need to know what happens. And you endure the pain of waking up the next day going like, why did I do that? But you still do it and you do it again. Many of us endure the pain of eating a little bit too much at the buffet, especially if you pay top dollar for it, and you go to that buffet and you go, I'm getting my dollars worth, but your tummy's saying, no more, please. You've gone to, uh, you know, the Epicurean, and you're going like, but that, but that sweet needs to be tasted. It was put out for me, and we take that pain on because we believe that that pain is worth it somehow. Many of us endure the pain of having a sore throat by going to a game and watching your favorite team uh, beat the other team, or maybe we'll endure the pain of screaming and shouting at the referees, or maybe even the team manager last night, uh, the, uh, the Man Manchester United fans were screaming against their own manager, which I think is wonderful, go Liverpool. Um, many women will endure the pain of wearing high heels on their wedding day. Yeah, and you do it the whole day, the whole flipping day. You know that you're going to be taking photos in that muddy field because it looks good, and you still wear those blooming heels. Why? Because that pain is worth it. Many men will endure the pain of waiting patiently for their wives to get ready to go out, right? Because we know that that pain is worth it. Many women will endure the pains of childbearing and childbirth because you get a child at the end of it. No one tells you about all the sleepless nights after as well, and that sometimes helps. And many men will endure the scorn of their families as they tell yet another dad joke. <laughs> because we know that's our role, and that's a necessary way that our society continues to function. But there are pains that we take. Every single day, there are certain pains that we take. Sometimes we don't want to wake up, and we still do. We go to work because we know that that pain of getting to that office is going to pay off possibly literally, in dollars that you need to feed your family. We take on pain in many different ways, but there are pains that we don't like to take. And there are pains that we try to avoid, and there are pains that we push away. 
And 20 years ago, I was actually thinking about this. It's actually literally been uh, about 20 years ago uh, that I was in the Singapore Army doing my national service. And, and I was posted to this unit. And let me just give you a little secret. The Singapore Army goes for two years because I think they just... just hold a number of a hat. It could have been done in like six months, but we did it over two years. And so when you're posted to a unit, there are many days that you actually just laze around and do nothing. And how your commanders try to get a level of discipline going and all of that is that they will ask for random volunteers from each uh, a dorm um, to do what we literally, I shouldn't say literally because I'm not allowed to say those words that we used to say, but to do really, really crappy jobs. And so literally, we would be like cutting grass, clearing out drains, cleaning out all the weapons for everyone else who were probably watching TV or sleeping. It, it, it was crap, literally. It was terrible. And so none of us liked to do it. And we were each in dorms of about 12 guys. Actually, I think it was more than that, maybe about 20 guys. And, and so our commanders were, were call for volunteers. And if you know anything about people, is that after a while, you'll start to realize that some people will do the volunteering and some people won't. And I was one of those that felt the responsibility uh, to be a good Christian dude, and everyone knew I, I was dumb enough to start up a little Bible club, so everyone knew I was a Christian guy. So I was like, well, I better, you know, set an example, and so I would volunteer for things. But there was another Christian guy who would pretend like he never heard the commanders asking for volunteers. And he would lie in bed and go, I know you are bleeping awake. <laughs> and he would never volunteer. And so one day, I got so mad at this guy, I literally made him cry. And I yelled at him, and I said, dude, you call yourself a Christian. Everyone knows you're a Christian because you bang on about it, but you pretend to sleep. When this is going on, what the flipping neck is going wrong with you? And he just said, well, what's the worst that they could do to us? Because by this point, Singapore had stopped waterboarding, so they couldn't do that anymore, it was illegal. They couldn't uh, put us in any real kind of distress. Um, and so the one thing that they could do is take away our weekends. And so he said this, this guy said, what's the worst they could do to us? Take away our weekends? So we were in these uh, camps from Mondays to Fridays. And if you sleep with 20 guys in this one room, it is, it's terrible. This was literally, not joking, the oldest camp, army camp in Singapore. It had uncovered concrete, unsealed concrete. It was dusty all the time. You literally just sweep it, you bring your fingers across, and it's grey again. The beds that we had when we first in, went in there were probably from World War II. They, had, they didn't have springs. They were literally wires that were just brought across this thing. Every time you flip or turn in the bed, the whole dorm would wake up because it would make a creaking sound. And we literally had... Uh, a mattresses about that thick, and to make sure that they don't get dusty during the day, we literally folded them in half to keep them clean. These were the kinds of dorms that we were in for two years, and this guy told me, what's the worst they could do? Make you sleep here for another two nights? See, there was a difference in how we viewed the pain of being in that camp. 
This guy had no problem never leaving. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Whereas coming from Perth, having migrated here, having my whole life waiting for me in Perth and going to Singapore, the only thing that kept me sane was going to church on the weekend, was having band practice with my mates on Saturday and going to church on Sunday. And so when this guy said, I want you to share in my pain of being in here because I can't be bothered to clean a drain. We had a conflict of pain. I was like, you get up. And I yelled at him for 10 minutes straight. I walked out of the room, red in the face, and I had a non-Christian guy who came out. And normally this guy is a rat back. He came to me and said, hey, you've made him cry. Can you like go back and apologize? I'm not apologizing for that guy. But there was a difference in the way that we viewed the pain. This guy could not be bothered getting a little bit dirty for the rest of the team. He'd had no problem with making, if none of us would volunteer because he's the last one to volunteer and we all had to stay in that camp, he had no problem with that pain. I had a different problem in terms of that situation. I had a different pain um, associated with that and I, I, I struggled with it and isn't it funny that, that pain isn't, like, objective? We can't say that something that is a pain for someone is a pain for everyone. And this guy was, was, was coming up with a suggestion that what's the worst that could happen? That's not that bad at all. When I was like, you don't know me. You don't know where I come from. You don't know how I'm processing this situation. You've got your whole family here. This guy was a rich guy. He would go home to, in Singapore, if you know Singapore, and he, he had his own house. We all had little blocks and apartments. I lived literally in the living room of my grandma's house. Literally, it was a fold-out sofa bed. I preferred that to the camp. This guy got to go back to something that was pretty cushy and nice, but, but, but the, he had... He did not consider my pain, and I did not understand his pain. But isn't it strange that pain is not the same for every person? You know, there are some crazy people that wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning to go to the gym. <laughs> why would you take on that kind of pain? Like, why? I don't understand that. Is, and, and, but yet, the way that we process our pain has a huge ramification on the rest of our lives. It impacts our decisions because no matter what decision you make, there's likely going to be a level of pain that is associated with it. And we are going to have to explore this because I believe that our response to pain either keeps us really small or enlarges us. Our response to what kind of pain is going on either creates a strong heart or a weak and hardened heart. That is, the, that is what happens with us. And I want to bring this uh, home to us as we uh, kind of consider the story of the Israelites. See, the Israelites were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. This was towards the end of the book of Genesis. We know that um, Joseph had set them up, and it was actually really nice at the start, but then the Egyptians then turned around and enslaved the entire population of the Israelites and made them do slave 
labor. And so at the end of Genesis, we read that the Israelites cry out to God. They groan under the oppression and the pain, and they say, God, don't you care? Like, help us out. Raise up for us a Savior. And then we know that in the book of Exodus, Moses gets raised up as the, as the, the mouthpiece and, and, and the leader of Israel, and he brings about 10 plagues uh, into e- Egypt. And those 10 plagues, uh, some commentators uh, remark that each one of those plagues are against one of the gods of Egypt, is saying that there is no one more powerful than our God. And so from there, with joyfulness and singing and praise, the people of Israel leave Egypt and they enter into a journey across the wilderness into the promised land. Now, a month and a half, a month and a half. I want you to just think about this. Maybe 45 days after leaving Egypt, 45 days, not three years, not even two months, 45 days later, we read this passage in Exodus 16, 1 to 3. It says, They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, they had departed from the land of Egypt. 15th day of the second month, that's how we know it's 45 days because the Passover uh, was supposed to be the new year for them. And so they departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, where we groaned for 400 years of the oppression of our slavery, where we had no control over what our days looked like, and we had to whip scourge our backs as we had to carry someone else's bricks. We never built anything for ourselves, and it was terrible. No, 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 no. The current pain of their situation made them think this way. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly by hunger. Forty-five days, people. 45 days. This morning you worship with your hands raised. Our God is so good. Where are you going to be in 45 days? When the pain hits of being in the wilderness, not really knowing where you're supposed to be going, when maybe a situation arises and you go, why did you make me move from a place of slavery? (laughs) A place of oppression, a place where we were crying out to be saved. Is it possible that maybe the Israelites had a problem in processing their pain? And I wonder how many of us actually go through the same kind of a situation where the pain that is in front of us, sometimes we don't know what to do with it, and we start to romanticize other ways of doing life. Many of you probably came to this church at some point thinking, I need community and I need to be able to, uh, to learn and grow with one another. And then you actually get into community and you find out that other people in this church are simply human beings with issues and things. And you go, I don't want to be part of that. Because like two years ago, you were crying out to God in your bedroom about how alone you were, about how no one understands you and no one listens to you, no one's there for you. And God brought you into this church where there are actually people trying to say, hey, maybe you need to grow up a little bit. And then you go, no, thank you. 
What is that pain that you don't want to process? What is that pain? Isn't it strange that the Israelites went, I'd rather the pain that I knew than the pain that I don't. I'd rather the pain that I got used to than the pain of the unknown, of, the, of, of trusting God. Do you know that one of the greatest pains in our life is actually trusting God? That when God says that I am going to do something new for you, you end up in a season of the in-between where you know that there's a promise, but it isn't there yet. The Israelites knew that there was a promised land that God was taking them to. He knew, they, they knew that. They actually were told that. Well, I'm going to take you into this land that I have prepared for you, a land flowing of milk and honey. Oh, wonderful, God, that's so great. Now cross the wilderness. No, God, I want to sit with my meat pots and my scars. What are those meat pots that you want to go back to? What, is, what are you romanticizing about your past that you go, oh, remember back in those days when we had that? You know, that came with a lot of other stuff that maybe you have forgotten. See, one of the reasons why people don't change is because they think that where they're at is so much better than where God is taking them to be. That's a psychological truth. We all prefer safety and security over the unknown. That is just a natural human um, uh, uh, way of thinking. It's a human attitude that we prefer the safety and the security of the past than the unknown nature of the future. And do you know something that is really, really annoying about this story? That when the Israelites had complained about not having enough food because they had run out, when they complained to God, God immediately gave them manna from heaven. And as I was thinking about this, there was this thought, God, you know everything about us. You know everything that we need. Why do you wait till the food ran out and people actually got hungry before you provided the manna? You could have done it two days before they grumbled and everyone would be like, yay, God is so great. But you waited till they grumbled. You waited till there was a pain that stuck in their bellies so that they remembered the kinds of food that they used to have. What were you doing, God? I think it's because God actually wanted them to feel the pain. And some of you are not going to like me for saying that, but sometimes God likes you to have the pain. Deuteronomy 8, 2-5 says this, and you shall remember the whole way. By the way, in Deuteronomy, this is Moses' address to the Israelites before he's going to pass away. And, and this is him saying, remember what God has done so that you can enter the promised land and live there well. You can really fully enter the promise. And, and this is what he says. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you through these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you, and let you hunger and then fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know the man that does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. 
Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. This is not going to be easy to understand because we are living in a culture that tells us comfort equals good, pain equals bad, generally speaking. We have invented pills and methods of trying to eradicate pain rather than build grit and perseverance that help us to walk through pain. And what, and what Moses wanted the Israelites to know is like, you guys, the pain of the last 40 years, by the way, they weren't meant to go in the desert for 40 years. It was meant to be like a six-month trip. The 40 years was because they sucked at trusting God. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But they went through the 40 years and God provided for them. But Moses actually says, you hunkered in the wilderness because God was testing your heart so that you would know what's in your heart. Could it be that when we go through pain in our lives, the thing that we are meant to be going through is not so much God changed my situation, but God revealed to me what's in my heart. Maybe it's not so much that God give me that breakthrough and that situation that when I step into that, I will know that you love me. But maybe what God is trying to say to you is you feel that, right? Because there are stuff in your heart that is of an issue that you need to deal with. What Moses was saying is that God was testing them so that they would know what's in their heart, so that they would know whether they could actually properly live in the promised land or not. There are some of us that are cutting short our stay in the promise because there are things in our heart that make us leave the promise. That is not right for the promise. There are things that are good, but if we don't have the discipline to be in that good, it can actually become bad. In our Western society, sometimes all the riches of the world and all the things that we do have actually turn us bad. It actually turns us into slobs and into lousy people. There is something about, uh, Beck and I, we do get the opportunity in our other life to go into different schools and to work with them, and this is what we always see. Rich kids tend to be entitled. Poor kids tend to have soft hearts. It's a generalization, but why? Maybe it's because the more we take the pain away from our kids, the less we teach them how to persevere, the less we teach them how to be creative, the less we teach them how to find their identity, the less we teach them how to work in this life. Maybe the pain that you're currently experiencing is not because God doesn't love you, but it's because God loves you. Now, I'm not trying to say that you should just go around seeking pain. Self-flagellation is not a course that we teach in this church. There are no whips around here. There's no weird things that go on in this church. But maybe there are things that you face in your life that is sticking because God is testing your heart, seeing if it's soft or if it's hard, if it will trust of it would seek to control. The Israelites wanted to control. And unfortunately, they never really learned the lesson. See, the, after a few months, they actually made their way all the way to the promised land. And Moses sent out 12 spies, one representing each tribe. So it was a democracy back then. And, um, and they went into the promised land and they 
went to go search things out, and, and they came back. And this is the report that they gave. Numbers 13, 25 to 33. I'm going to read this quickly. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying the land. And it came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and the whole congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, as God had promised, by the way. And this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in a land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And basically, there are all sorts of giants there. Verse 30, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the man who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they spied out, saying, The land through which we are going to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in the land of great height. And we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. At this point, the Israelites then wailed and said, oh, that we were back in Egypt. This is stupid. And, um, and then God says, well, none of you are going to enter the promised land. And therefore, that brought up uh, the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Why do I bring that up? Many of us know the story. There were 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb had learned the lessons of the wilderness. They had come across the hardship. They suffered the same hardship as every other person. They were slaves at one point. They felt the hunger. They felt the thirst. They saw the giants. And they said, my God is bigger than this. The other 10 spies, they were slaves. They saw the goodness of God. They went through the wilderness, suffered hunger, saw God provided. Suffered thirst, saw God provided. Saw the land filled with giants. God's not going to provide for this. There was a pain that they weren't willing to take. The story is really sad because after God actually punishes the people of Israel for not having faith, they say, oh, now we're going to have faith in God, and they go attack the land, and they get utterly and completely routed. Crazy story. Exodus through to Deuteronomy is actually a lot of fun (laughs) when you're not the one that's suffering. But maybe it tells us something about our pain. I say all of this because there's a sense in me that God has got something really, really exciting happening in the life of this church. I really do believe it. But I wonder whether some of us are actually going to miss out on what God is wanting to do in us and through us because you're scared of the pain that is ahead and you'd rather stay in the pain that you're ready to learn how to master. God doesn't call you to master pain. You're not meant to learn how to control pain. That's not the situation. We will never change the fact that there's going to be pain in our lives. The thrust of the story of the Bible isn't that we get rid of pain, but that we learn how to choose and live with pain Because by trusting God, 
there is a requirement for all of us at different times in our life to go through the wilderness. How do you get through the wilderness? One step at a time. How do you get through times of difficulty? Well, it's by perseverance. And why do we persevere? It's not because we have a cruel God, but it's because we have a God who understands what is best for us. You know, I, I, I deeply love my son, but he's in a phase where we're trying to train out this whole thing of, like, he keeps asking for our help in, in little things that we know that he's more than capable of doing. And so he's eating breakfast, and, and he's like, help me, help me. I was like, Sam, you know how to scoop your oats. It's not hard. And he's like, no. And he's making it seem like, this is the worst thing in the world. We laugh at that, and we know how to deal with that. Some of us are whinging toddlers as we go through the wilderness, and I am too. There are many times like, God, why have you got me through this? Why, have you, you know, why do I have to trust you in this? Why? Wouldn't it be easier if you just answered my prayer? Wouldn't it be nice if you just gave me a million dollars, got rid of all the lousy people, all those sinners, because I am so much better than all of them? What if God knows that there's an ability in you that only is unlocked when you persevere hard enough? What if God is looking out for who you are becoming more than what you have? What if God is molding and shaping you in a way that is actually a huge part of His purpose for you? What if the pain that you are about to face or you are facing right now is not because God is punishing you, but because God is molding and shaping you? What if there are things that you are meant to let go of, like the meat pots of Egypt? Those years spent in slavery, stop it, you're no longer a slave. You don't have to pretend to be a slave. You don't have to pretend to be a well-cared-for slave. You don't have to make it seem like back in those days it wasn't that bad compared to what you're going to go through. There are some things that, us, that we need to let go of, and pain reveals it in a way that we cannot avoid. When there's that thing that just keeps sticking in our heart, maybe it's because God is saying you need to pay attention to this. This is an observation I make, that in our house, I believe that this church is a church of healing, especially those, that of uh, um, the heart. And this is what I've observed. People first come in with heartbroken, and it'll be, man, this is such a great church. And there's a warmth, and there's, a, there's that sense of family, and they'll come in. And as they experience healing... It will come to a point where you need to persevere in your healing. And it's my observation that many people struggle with that particular part. And it's like, why haven't you already healed me? And I wonder if it's because our understanding of healing is wrong. That we think that healing is immediate that healing is tangible at all times, when healing really is a process that all of us are going through. Sin has corrupted all, 
all are going through healing, but maybe it's more about as you struggle, you are becoming. And as you push through, God is creating something in you. Romans 5, 1 to 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so you've already received healing. You've already received salvation. This is what it's saying. Since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of the Lord. So Paul's saying, you have it all. Since we know that God has provided it all and you have it all, what does he say that next? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. So isn't it because that I was suffering that I came to you in the first place, God? Yeah, I was coming to him because of a different kind of suffering. I was coming to God because of the sufferings I was having under slavery. But now, when I'm having the discipline of a good father, I can take that. There's a difference between the suffering of a slave who hasn't been justified, who hasn't been made righteous, who is a slave to sin, and one who chooses to be disciplined by the Father. There is a difference between those two. You get to choose whether you continue to be a slave to sin, because Paul also writes that now that you've been set free from sin, choose not to be yoked to sin anymore. We can still choose to be under the yoke of sin. We can. We still have that option. Why? Because our good God doesn't take away our ability to choose. But now we get to choose the discipline of the Father. You choose the slavery to sin or the discipline of the Father. There's no in-between people. This is one of those moments in our lives where we have to realize there is no in-between choice. I want the good stuff of slavery to sin, where I get to enjoy and get my dopamine hit, and I get the love and the grace of my Savior. No, no. Paul puts it this way. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. I've just chosen to describe it as the discipline of the Father as the Bible was described. And why? Because we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that our suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The love of the God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to persevere in pain. Because God is shaping and crafting us into someone new. He's bringing the best out of us under pressure, under suffering. There is something that is going on. So where do we land this morning? James 1, 2 to 8 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Can I just say something, I've just read a book written by a psychologist about grit. And one of the things that she says is that there is this theme in today's culture that I persevered for two months and I still haven't gotten my promotion. We have changed the way that we see time. Our culture has changed the way that we see time. Our culture has changed the way that we view the journey and the process. 
Our culture tells us that if you haven't got it, you will never get it. And so as the Israelites journey through the wilderness, why are we not there yet? That's a toddler mindset. It's okay for the toddlers to say it because they don't have a grasp of time yet. But the more mature you get, the more you understand that sometimes the journey takes time. And so when we talk about how suffering uh, produces, uh, trials produces steadfastness, steadfastness isn't that you suffered for two days. Steadfastness means that that suffering might continue with you for years. Are you okay with that? Well, how do we be okay with that? How do we count that as joy? Is because James writes, and let steadfastness have its, has its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. See, the promise is on the other side of our pain. The fullness of what God is trying to do is on the other side of our suffering at times. I'm not here to minimize the pain. I'm not here to minimize what it feels like. I'm not here to invalidate the fact that sometimes it is overwhelming. But I'm here to bring the truth that is found in our word that sometimes those wilderness seasons, not, not sometimes, the wilderness season is always necessary. And the easy way out of the wilderness is to go back. But the better way is to go through. If we can get the band up this morning. Beck and I have got a sense that next year, our key word is the word unleashed. We sense that God wants to unleash a new level of anointing, a new level of opportunity, a new level of ministry out of this house. Why will I bring it in September 2023 is because I'm preparing you for pain. Because God is going to discipline us. I've started to realize that my journey is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I haven't run my full race yet. And so I need to continue to discipline myself. A little while ago, I realized that I thought I had arrived as a communicator. I was doing really well. I was churning out messages. People were saying that they were good. But a couple of weeks ago, God put on my heart, it's like, when was the last time you felt a bit of pain in having to grow as a communicator? And I was like, haven't I passed that point, God? <laughs> I'm preaching for eight years, in fact, even longer than that. Eight years consistently, 14 years over my journey. Surely I've arrived. God said, mm, that's the way that you think. Sure. There's something in me that actually went, I need to choose some pain. Because God put on my heart that there are more people that I need to reach, better messages that I need to preach. There's more ahead of me than what I've already done. And if it's going to take me a little bit of discipline and a little bit of pain, a little bit of perseverance to read more books, to learn from people, to get harsh feedback, not harsh, constructive feedback. No one take any license from that moment. <laughs> I need to grow, man. That's something that I'm feeling. We need to grow, church. We need to embrace a bit of pain. 
We need to embrace not the pain that comes from slavery, but the pain that comes from the discipline of our Father, who is saying, come on, you have got more in you than you realize. There is a promise on the other side of the wilderness, and there are giants in front of you, but they're not giants that are meant to squash you. They are giants that you're meant to overcome because I am with you. And every time you feel a little bit hungry in the desert, complain to God, that's okay. God was okay with the complaint. God was not okay with the lack of trust. So God, I'm struggling right now. So maybe you're right here in this place and there is something, there's a thorn in your heart, there's a brokenness and there's a disappointment. That's an important word. There are disappointments in this room that people have faced. Why didn't you come through for me in that moment? And God is saying, I am coming through for you when you turn your eyes onto me. Some of us have forgotten to come to God to ask Him for stuff because we've gotten so good at trying to manage and control it for ourselves. You're not meant to heal your own heart. You're not meant to put your life back together. You're meant to be yoked to Jesus and in Christ, you have everything that you need. In Christ, you have all the grace that you ever require. In Christ is where you find completeness. In Christ is where you find joy. And the process of being in Christ is sometimes painful. It's sometimes going to require some discipline. God is not some lovesick boyfriend who's going to meet you down in the dumps in the pub that you never intended to go to. But God is a good, good Savior and Lord. And He says, if you come to me, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. Can we stand... I just want to lead us in a bit of a prayer of commitment. That if you're in this place and you're going, there's more. Like this life can't be it. Where I'm at right now, this is not it. It's better than where it used to be. Maybe you managed to leave Egypt. That's fantastic. But this is not it. If that's you, can you please close your eyes and put your hands out as a sign of receiving, as a sign of surrender. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Can you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I submit myself to you. I know the pain in this current situation doesn't compare to where you are leading me. God, help me to see the pain that I am to choose, the discipline I am to build, the perseverance that will build my character. I commit myself to you. Amen. Amen. I, I want to pray for people this morning. I think there are people that want to pray that prayer but really struggle with that. There's a trust barrier between you and God. And it's okay in the sense that God understands that trust is something that needs to be built. That's why God wasn't angry when the Israelites, 45 days out of Egypt, said, I'm so hungry, God, why have you leave us, leave us alone? And I don't think God had any issue with that. I think God was saying, yes, 
Now that you come to me, let me provide, let me show you. So right now, maybe you're in a place where pain has captured your attention, it's maybe captured your heart, and you're struggling to see how God is going to come through in the midst of all that's going on. And if that is you, I would love to stand with you, I would love to pray with you, I would love to have this moment where I believe the Holy Spirit is going to just highlight and bring clarity to you about what is going on in this current situation. So I'm going to hand over to the band in just a moment. I'm going to pray. I'm going to close. I just think that God wants to do some healing work with some people this morning. And that's you. Why don't you come forward after this prayer? And we'll love to stand and to pray with you. Not just go close with this prayer. Dear Jesus, no pain, no discipline in a moment is pleasant. You've said that in your word. But God, I pray that we will not look at that unpleasantness and fail to take the steps through the wilderness into your promises, God. So God, I pray that you will give us the courage to continue to persevere, the, con the courage to continue to trust, and the courage to continue to journey through as you've called us to. I thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much, church. If you like prayer, why don't you come forward? The band will lead us in this song if you would like a moment to be prayed for as well. So thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.